Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs. From online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the work with me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vegan Business Talk. I'm your host, Katrina Fox, and my guest today is Jenna Bortmans. I hope I said that correctly, because Jenna is French, and I'm just remembering some of my high school French. So Jenna is the founder of Jenna Street, which is a vegan handbag and accessories brand in Germany. Now, before founding Jenna Street in 2019, Jenna was the co-founder of Buckle and Seam, which is a men's accessory company that uses animal leather. Now, while working in Bangladesh, Myanmar and Pakistan, she experienced an awakening of how the land and the people are impacted by heavy industries like fashion, which changed the way she looks at the world. She decided to make a difference as a result of seeing how tanneries actually process animal leather and its impact on the environment, on people and on animals. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to talk with you today because you've got such an interesting career uh, trajectory. Um, So we'll get into talking about Jenna Street, but before that, I'd love you just to talk about how you kind of got here, because you went from legal intern, then you went to marketing assistant, then fashion director, uh, fashion creative director, then founded Buckland Seam, and now you founded uh, Jenna Street. It's quite a difference from legal intern. You think, OK, she's going to be a lawyer. <laughs> to, so just give us a little bit of a helicopter ride, just briefly, a little bit of an overview of, of how and why you went from legal intern to um, owner of a, a vegan fashion brand. Absolutely. So, I mean, I was, I was, a, I was a student in Paris. I think um, my entire youth, I was very passionate about fashion uh, in terms of its creative um, drawn, but also as a medium for expression. Um, and uh, I don't know, when I got to choose uh, you know, my study path, I went for the secure way. I think I got a bit scared to go full into the creative field. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I studied law actually for, uh, six years or oh, five years wow. and then business for another year, which got me out of the, you know, law, uh, law path. Um, and then I actually, yeah, did a bit of marketing and I went for an internship in Bangladesh for, uh, I was working for an e-commerce giant, uh, and afterwards to Myanmar and Pakistan for the same company. And uh, yeah, and then actually fashion came back in a very like 
in a very funny way. Uh, it was not necessarily planned, but I guess it was always inside me. And so um, it found me again. <laughs> Let's put it like this. Yeah. Well, so um, what happened? Did you suddenly kind of, so like, did you always like have it there, like the, the creative or the fashion, the interest in fashion? Or what kind of happened? Like, did you just kind yeah. of get that spark? Yeah, so um, when I was working for this e-commerce giant, I was actually uh, in charge of a rebranding. It was the time when, you know, Amazon launched Amazon Fashion, and I was working on a similar business model for the region of uh, Myanmar, Bangladesh, Pakistan. And so I was working in Pakistan, actually, uh, on like the first shoppable fashion week that was organized in the country. So I was working very closely to uh, celebrity designers there. We organized this this fashion week. They have a huge fashion culture, actually, which is with very different codes uh, what we have uh, you know, in the Western world. So it was amazing to, to dig in, into this. Um, and uh, yeah, and so when I actually came back to Europe, um, I, um, I went into co-founding this, this first brand um, with my two, two male co-founders. Um, and so for me, at the time I was already, I was vegetarian and I looked at it as an opportunity to start something from scratch. I wanted to launch, um, I, I was very interested in launching a business. Uh, and I wanted to learn from it, and um, especially from the, the creative direction side of things. Um, I knew that I didn't, so I knew that I could not relate to the product, but I wanted, I really wanted to learn. And um, I actually worked on cr- developing a partnership with a school based in Karachi that promotes uh, girl education. Uh, and this is what kind of like kept me going uh, at the beginning. I just put my focus on this and I was like, okay, this is like learning and having an impact on girls' education there. Okay, I'm in, I'll do it. Uh, but this, I think the second I stepped into uh, the tanneries, I was like, okay, so I'll just, you know, I'll suck it up for now, but I know this is not the right thing for me. And so very early on, actually, probably three months in, I proposed my co-founders to go uh, for a vegan line for women. And uh, this is how the idea started, basically. And I started working on it on the side on my, uh, for, like myself. I proposed them the idea. And at the beginning, they were on board, but then they needed to focus. And I decided to focus on uh, a product I that I could really relate to. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really helpful for people to know, like, how people, you know, can change careers, change direction. And I also really love that you shared that you, you know, you started, you co-founded this other company. And even though you weren't on board with the the product or the, the way it was produced, you you took that, you know, experience and learned how yeah. to do that and then brought that to starting your own vegan brand. So I, I really like that. I think that's fantastic. Um, tell us about the name because your name is Jenna uh, and I know that it, which is spelled J-E-N-A and then the company is J-E-N-A-H and I believe it's got it's got a really nice meaning in Arabic. So tell us just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so when I was working in, uh, in like in Pakistan, for instance, I was told several times that uh, Jenna means um, means paradise uh, in Arabic, uh, and so and also like yeah, traveling to Morocco and so on. It's something that kept uh, coming back, um, and also in India, Gina is also paradise. And so I I was like, okay, I think there is a cool echo here. And so, um, and I basically chose this name because at the beginning, the website was designed in a way that um, it was like a virtual street. 
So Paradise Street, where you had the store to buy the bags, and you had the, the, a blog called The Café, uh, which is still there, actually. And uh, yeah, so it was like a Paradise Street, um, basically trying to put this vision um, to life um, and to, you know, to build basically a virtuous business, which... Uh, which lives in harmony with nature and, and its inhabitants. So it's a, it's, I concede that it's an ambitious program, but you know, it's like part of the vision. It's yeah, I love that. And I love that the name reflects the brand. I think, you know, sometimes naming a business can be quite tricky. You know, sometimes you might go, there's just something really obvious that describes a business, but then, you know, to actually create a brand and have real meaning behind the name. I really love that, that it reflects the values and the whole kind of ethos of the business. So talk to us a little bit about the challenges. So obviously you'd co-founded this uh, Buckle and Seam in 2016. Um, what did you learn from that? And what were some of the challenges in starting up Genistry effectively on your own? Because I'm assuming you've done this on your own, whereas you had two co-founders to begin with, but then you were doing this on your own. So what did you learn from your previous startup that you were able to bring to launching Genistry? And what were the challenges? I think what I learned, a key learning is that there is so much you can learn before you start and uh, so much you can actually prepare. And then there is all the stuff you had not planned and all the stuff that you could not foresee. Um, and so that at some point you just need to start and you just need to go for it and kind of figure it out on the way. Um, and that it's okay to, you know, make mistakes and, uh, and learn by doing. Um, that's a learning, and otherwise, I think a big challenge was to be to go from a creative director co-founder, but with real with, with a focus and an expertise, uh, to a sole CEO and having to basically learn completely new skills um, that were taking a lot of energy from me at first. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, such as what what kind of skills did you have to learn? Like thinking about the business as a whole uh, in terms of the financing, for instance, mm. um, uh, the sales part, the marketing uh, strategies. I was already kind of pretty involved in the marketing strategy, but then having to implement it yourself, not just being the one who creates the beautiful pictures. <laughs> um, and HR, you know, HR management, like who do you want to surround yourself with? Um, what are the people who are going to make your vision possible? Uh, and at, at the same time, bring the skills that you need, um, accounting, administration, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. They're often the, the less exciting, like co-founder, creative director kind of sounds exciting and sexy, doesn't it? Whereas, yeah, the, the, the admin and the bookkeeping and the, all of that, yeah, not not quite so sexy, but obviously super important. Um, yes. So you, you're based in Berlin. Now, although you're, you're French, you're based in Berlin and the bags are made in Italy. Why is that? Um, so Italy is really like the, the traditional hub for, for luxury handbags. And I think that starting this vegan company two or three years ago, um, you know, I just wanted people to like to um, be reassured in a way um, and show them, okay, like we're producing with a material that you don't necessarily know. It's not leather, it's different, but it is. it has the, the know-how and the craftsmanship of a luxury handbag or a premium handbag. So for me, producing in Italy was important in that way, like to kind of bring this, this stamp uh, and this, this quality into the collection. Um, and also staying into the European Union uh, for me was very important because, um, I mean, for transportation problems, like logistic ways, um, to stay as local as possible. 
um, and also to make sure that uh, that um, the the partners that I work with uh, fall into uh, the European Union labor and social uh, laws for for workers and so on. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, yeah. That I mean, now yeah. and um, the now the new collection that's about to be uh, released in in shortly uh, is going to be made in Portugal. Oh, and yes. there's also a, a very talented craftsman there. And so, yeah, but Europe basically is important. Yeah, gotcha. And it's interesting you said that because I know with Italy, like, so my partner Tracy likes to dance and she orders like vegan point shoes, like ballet shoes. And one of the brands that she was using, they had a factory in Italy and during COVID, when COVID hit, the factory closed. So mm. um, I'm curious because you're a fairly new brand. So you already had the challenges of, like you said, you know, learning all these new skills and launching your business. So it's still a fairly kind of newish business. Then COVID hit, you know, factories are closing in, in Europe, you know, lockdown was happening. And also, I guess a lot of people, you know, became financially insecure. A lot of people were losing their jobs and maybe, you know, not necessarily thinking of buying high fashion, uh, you know, handbags and accessories. Um, so I'm curious, how has the whole COVID situation impacted your fairly new startup? Um, it's been so... I would say that um, most of our business is online. So in that way, you know, we were still able to provide and uh, and to operate. Uh, our showroom has had to, has been closed actually for almost a year. I would say. Right. Uh, so of course it's a challenge, and at the same time, you know, like everybody, <laughs> we had to kind of rethink, um, and it gave us the time out of the daily uh, hustle. Um, like hustle to really refocus on okay what do we want to keep what we do we want to stop um, and I think it's been um, a great time to recenter on the core values of the brand and on the on the real like the true objective which has been um, to go fully plant-based and circular and so it has really enabled me to work on this new uh, plant-based collection um, like way more than if I had to handle all the rest um, so I would say that I'm finding the positive in, into a tricky and challenging situation. <laughs> right. So what happened during the year? So you said your showroom closed. So were you having to still pay rent on that? Did you get any assistance from the government? And what were sales like during the, yeah. the 2020? So I've I've been very, very amazingly surprised by my landlord who <laughs> offered me two months for free. Uh, I didn't even ask for it. So that was that was very nice. Otherwise, in Germany, there is a system um, called Kurzarbeit, where basically uh, in order for companies to, you know, um, fire employees or because of their, their economical situation, you can reduce their time of work and the, the, the government compensates. So these are the kind of mechanisms that are that are very widespread at the moment, uh, especially for, for young companies. Um, I have a, a team which has been really supportive um, and really believes in the vision and mission of the brand. And so, you know, we stayed, um, stayed strong. Um, and in terms of sales, yeah, it has slowed down um, for sure. I mean, people are not going out as much. They're not, you know, going to the office. They're not commuting that much. Um, but um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, we're just, again, we're going with the flow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's, uh, yeah, it is kind of a tricky one. Now, you touched on the materials. Um, so I noted you've been, to date, you've been using like um, 
a vegan a vegan eco certified polyurethane material and i was mm. going to ask you you know because obviously we're seeing lots of innovation um in uh the material space in fact i interviewed um stephanie from uh the material innovation initiative um you know who are kind of at the cutting edge of all the exciting things happening so i'm curious why you went with that as opposed to say uh, you know leathers that are made from cactus or pineapple or mushrooms and all these others or is that a direction you're going to be moving in definitely uh, <laughs> so for me when i started i started this project three the first collection i started working on it more than three years ago um and at this time my priority was to go from animal to vegan. That was the step, like the big step number one, uh, to propose an alternative that would look and feel like leather so that, you know, people don't have to step too far away from their habits, but still see that they can get a product that is as luxurious and smooth and, and also durable as leather. So I went for the, I went for the, yeah, the more like, comfortable option as I saw for the customers at this time um, and also for um, for material which is um, which has better abrasion results as cow leather uh, it is extremely durable it's scratch resistant water sun resistant and so I was like okay this is a first a, a great first step second step is going uh, plant-based um, and so the new collection is actually made of linen um, apple leather and organic cotton. And so with, uh, we've achieved up to 95% uh, plant-based material for this new collection. So I'm very, very happy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been, I've been like studying this topic and being like really like, yeah, watching the innovations in the sector. I think COVID is also, um, delayed a lot of uh, a lot of things um, i was in touch with the supplier with a completely innovative 100 percent plant-based option which is coming to the market now they were in uh, research and development for i don't know since we met a year and a half ago and so you know all of these things just like stick to the vision things go slow sometimes but um step by step yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know you're you're running a for-profit business, but also, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a mission-driven business, a, a for-purpose company as well. It's another good term. Um, talk to us, because obviously the mainstream fashion industry has the problem of oversupply, you know, um, obviously, particularly brands that are putting them on shelves you know you're not sure exactly how many people are going to buy them in and it ends up a lot of waste um tell us about how you're avoiding that issue of overproduction yeah i think waste management is one of the of the worst um thing that you can find in the fashion industry i think i read that 85 percent of everything that's produced end up in the in the garbage i just couldn't believe this yeah um <laughs> it's terrible um so what we've what we've uh, put in place with jenna street is a, a community lab so basically we invite all our followers and our customers to take part into into this little program which is basically you register and you you receive mini surveys um that to to give us your opinion about what uh, where the brand is going um how do you feel about um the next designs giving your opinion on on the new collections on this bag on this color on this hardware 
uh, and making sure that we produce what people need. So we make less, but we make better and more accurate for, for um, what our community actually wants. Um, and we really, so it's really like a reality check. Also, do we like, do we like making sure that what we want to communicate is clear for everybody? Um, and at the end of each survey, we have little incentives as well, like, you know, to, uh, to reward uh, the people who are actually engaged in supporting us on the journey. So, yeah. What kind um, of rewards do you offer? Uh, it could be like uh, taking part in a raffle to earn like a first prototype. It can be uh, mm. like a, a discount for uh, when we launch, uh, like the day of the launch, for instance. It can yeah. be, yeah, this can. Ah, I got you. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. I love that. And you've also got a, and I think that's really great. I think that's a really smart way to operate, to really kind of engage people and get people invested uh, in it, you know, particularly if they're likely to be, customers um which is very smart you also i believe have a or you operate a circular handbag program where people i think once they finish with their bag they send it back to you i'm curious about how that works and what benefit is there i guess to the customer but i'm also curious what benefit there is to you as a business yeah so at the moment we've we've started with this um we offer basically our customers after six months of owning and cherishing their bags um, to send it back to us uh, against the 30% code to get another one if they want to, you know, they have different uh, needs uh, <laughs> six months down the road. Um, and in this way, we actually make sure that uh, we either put the bag into a second, second consumption cycle um, or that we possibly also uh, reuse some of the hardware and some of the material um, in order to produce smaller uh, smaller accessories, such as oh. our card holders, for instance. So, um, yeah. That's really <laughs> That's smart. When you say put it into a second concept, what does that mean? Um, a second conception cycle. So basically um, um, reselling it secondhand. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a posh way of saying that. <laughs> It's, yeah, no, it was a very technical that's a term. fashion term. Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that because again, you really kind of and because it, it's interesting, like you said, like when you, I, I was was laughing in my head when you said after six months people could send it back. I'm like, wow, if I get a bag, like I hang on to mine for years. But you know what I mean? I'm not a fashionista. You know, I love sparkle and bling, and I don't care what's in fashion <laughs> as long as I like what I look. But you're right. And I think I love that you're addressing the needs of, you know, a lot of people who are into the whole fashion thing and the seasons and, you know, want to change things up. And like you say, instead of it just kind of going to waste, yeah. um, that you're actually as a business taking a proactive approach in in, in incentivizing. And I like the way you're incentivizing people to send it back because, you know what I mean, like sometimes with recycling programs, people say, oh, you can send it back to us. Even I think, you know, people who do kind of care about the environment, it's still a bit of a hassle to do it. Mm -hmm. But by offering them a 30% discount on a new bag, that's incentivizing them that, you know, if they were going to buy a new bag anyway, they're sending it back to you and then you're doing good things with it to to yeah. avoid waste so I, I love that um and I believe as well, I know you touched on how you're obviously passionate about empowering women and you've got quite an affinity with Pakistan and I believe you've got a little keychain program that you do where uh, women in Pakistan make the keychains and you use those on your bag and that empowers yeah. them do you want to just briefly tell us about that yeah, absolutely. So when I was living in Karachi, I actually met the, the founder of this uh, women empowerment organization. They have um, a clinic. They also work on mental health. They have a school and they have um, a vocational training center where women can learn uh, different, um, different uh, careers. Um, and they have artisans 
basically who make this handmade uh, crafts. Uh, and so the kitchen is one of the is one of them. Uh, and um, this this is amazing because it provides them with more financial um, independence. They come to the organization, they get uh, they get the order and what they need to do. They get all the materials from there, which uh, for part of them are actually uh, recycled uh, things that they get, like fabrics and uh, everything. They take everything home. They work from home. They stay with their kids. And when the kitchens are done, they um, they bring that bring them back to the organization that pays them. So mm -hmm. it's a really, it's a really amazing place. It's also a safe space for them to come and uh, have, you know, social interaction with other women um, from the neighborhood. So it's, it's a beautiful place. I, I've been there actually recently and it's, it's really beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing. I love that. I love how you built that other extra aspect into it. You know, as well as obviously, I presume, obviously, your, your bags are manufactured in facilities in Italy where, you know, workers' rights are all good. There's no exploitation of people. Um, but as well as doing that, you're actually adding this extra aspect to it. And I think it's just helpful to get businesses to think that way. You know, obviously, being vegan is wonderful um, and, uh, you know, and as a, a kind of a, a baseline, which is great. But then to also kind of think, well, how else can we, um, you know, do good um, yeah. in the world? So I, I love that. Now, tell us a little bit about obviously with businesses you know funding is a key thing you know getting capital in to keep the business going you've already had experience you know as you say with the, the previous startup so how has Jenna Street been funded to date? So I've um, I've had um, a business angel um, a German business angel who's actually one of the leaders um, of the renewable energy sector uh, in Germany uh, he create, he built his own fund where he invests into impact startups. We're focusing on solving environmental issues, um, so mobility, food, um, energy mostly. Um, and I got lucky because <laughs> the only fashion, <laughs> the only fashion brand in the in the landscape. Um, and he uh, so he. Um, went on board uh, very early at a pre-seed stage and then we also went for a crowd investing uh, round so he has a he has a crowd investing platform as well so that brings together um, people who are interested in in you know working for uh, for more virtual uh, industry for the environment um, so yeah I felt I felt a, a connection there we, and what's amazing is that um, they're not looking only at uh, growth KPIs, but also at uh, impact KPIs. Uh, uh, and so basically, you know, if I wanted to take a bit more time to find the right materials for the new collection, uh, they're not just going to push me to produce and produce and produce, but they're going to, you know, also look at the sustainability journey that the brand is standing for. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. That sounds like a really good fit. How did you get them on board? Like, how did you... Um yeah kind of meet them how did you pitch I'm curious kind of how you got over the line with them to get them to invest with you I I want to say uh, I mean it's been a very long process first of all I think from the first meeting to to the signing was almost a year uh, at the beginning so <laughs> um, and other than that uh, it was actually through one of my former co-founders uh, so I would say networking uh, mostly, yeah. 
Yeah, that's important. And you're the second person I've interviewed in just a, a few weeks that said something similar that from in, you know, the beginning, like early discussions to actually getting the funding, it's been a, a good year. And I think that's important for people to know that it's not always yeah. instant or or fast and, and getting the right investor, I think, is really important um, as well, you know, because like, as you say, people could quite easily say, okay, yeah, this sounds great and front you the money, but then put that pressure on to kind of you know get their investment back and you have to produce and produce it's great that you've got the right investor that fits with your goals and your aims and the ethos of your business so fantastic um now what about marketing so putting it out there right now like you say you've had a you know it's been a challenging year in 2020 in particular um but in terms of getting to your customer because your your bags are quite high end you know in terms of the you know the pricing I think they're at least you know 200 euros which I'm not sure how much American dollars that is maybe 300 350 they're mm. quite high end and obviously you know there's a reason for that people are, are paying for an ethical uh, product but how what marketing strategies are you using um that are currently the most successful um, I think it's a mix of things. Um, I think you really should, you know, try and get uh, people and your customers wherever they are. And right now it's mostly online. So um, what we've been doing uh, with the team is to partner with uh, other small businesses, um, you know, who are potentially struggling as well from, uh, from being closed down and so on and organizing contests, for instance, and try to raise awareness uh, with people with similar missions, uh, either vegan business or female-founded um, uh, businesses, or, you know, just try to uh, gather a strength together. Um, other than that, Instagram is a, is a very powerful tool uh, for us. And, um, and also sharing the, the mission and the vision of the brand uh, in platform such as yours, um, because I really, I strongly believe that, you know, nowadays people more and more um, vote with their wallets, or at least for me, this is how I perceive consumption, right? And so... I think that really explaining the why before, behind why, like behind the existence and the very existence of Genestreet and its products, um, is uh, is crucial so that people can decide, you know, whether they actually want to support us and support our journey by uh, by purchasing one of our handbags or products. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, when you said, thank you for sharing that, Jenna. When you said you collaborated with other businesses to market, can you explain a bit more? Perhaps give me an example. Yeah, so it's typically um, organizing little contests uh, where people, for instance, uh, like an ethical beauty brand, uh, we partnered uh, based in Berlin as well. We partnered with them and offered like a set, you know, beauty set and like a, and a handbag or um, or these kind of things, like organizing concepts so that we exchange visibility, their follower oh, base see okay. us um, and, uh, and our follower base see them. Okay, uh, and that gotcha. way you know we boost each other and like <laughs> support each other yeah. I love that I love that collaboration I love it when vegan businesses in particular you know mm -hmm. businesses that are on the same mission can collaborate and it's a win for everybody so I think that's wonderful now talking like obviously you know you make vegan handbags now there's a lot of vegan handbag brands out there some are legacy brands they've been around for quite some time there's other people coming into the market um how do you stand apart and I I, I was going to say stand apart from your competitors and I always put it in air quotes because obviously, you know, we're all on the same mission. But, you know, technically, you know, you've got people kind of making, uh, you know, in the same space. How do you stand apart? What's your point of difference? 
Um, I think it comes down to when you're when you're building a fashion brand, it comes down to the the universe that you're building around it. You know, the aesthetics are people sensitive to uh, the kind of storyline that we that we're tr um, trying to portray in our photo shoots, in our designs. Uh, are people attracted by the objects that we create? Um, also, I would say the integrity of our communication and uh, the fact that we're uh, trying to stay as close as, close as possible uh, to our community through the community lab, uh, but also through our communication. So, for instance, if you subscribe to a newsletter, you're going to receive um, updates on how our journey, uh, you know, is going towards going 100% plant-based, which is the absolute goal, towards going 100% circular. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're just transparent about it uh, and about the steps that we're that we're taking. So, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. I'm loving seeing all the, the developments and it's just interesting how, how people, yeah, differentiate their, their brands. So just final questions to, to wrap up. What would you say, and you've touched on this a little bit earlier, but what would you say have been one or two of the key learnings that you've learned um, from running Genestrate? Um, I think the first one would be... Um, Try not to measure your self-worth uh, through the, your sales results. And ah, it sounds super ooh, that's obvious. That's a good one. I like that. Oh, tell me yeah. more. I like that. Yeah. I think it's uh, it kind of sounds obvious for someone who is uh, not like, you know, that involved uh, or like into into a business or something, but it's actually way sub. It's like it gets to you with in a way subtler way than you can imagine. Um, and, you know, I, I actually realized that there were days where sales were going super good and, you know, and not only sales, but also just I was uh, having positive feedbacks and nice reviews. And then other days, suddenly it stops and you're like, start to freak out, start to doubt, start to like lose all your confidence. And I actually observed this and I was like, oh, wow, you need to stop. Like you need to take a step back and you need to really think about like why you're doing this, who you are, um, and uh, Genestrate is its entity, it's a project, but, you know, you, it doesn't affect who you are as a human being. So I think, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you get to really get like to identify yourself with your business. And I think it's important to try and keep the balance. Um, that's one thing. I love um, that. That's such a good one. That is really good. I really hope people hear that because I can relate to that. So when you're saying that, that's why I jumped and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get it. So, OK, cool. You want to share another one? Um, yeah, and um, maybe that uh, I, I truly believe now, even more than than ever before, then there's no failure. There's only learnings. Um, I think certain things take more time than others. I think that it's either I read somewhere it's either you you win or you learn. And if you nice. if you take things like this as a as a learning journey and you embrace that, I think you will stay sane and healthy <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Fantastic. I love that. So just finding, I know it's difficult at the moment, we're still, you know, we've still got obviously the COVID still impacting uh, the world, but anything you want to share with us about your vision for the future or any plans that you've got coming up that you'd like yes, to share? Yes, we have a lot of stuff coming up because we're coming, uh, we're um, launching a 100% recycled textile t-shirt. Uh, it's a little collection called the Ocean's Muse. So it's like to pay tribute to our ocean. Um, uh, I love surfing and I love the ocean and I'm very strongly connected to it. So it's like, uh, it's another message, but I mean, it, 
that comes down to our protecting and, and respecting our environment and its inhabitants. Um, we're also uh, coming up with our plant-based collection very soon. Very excited about this. And of course, the long-term plan is to go 100% circular, 100% plant-based. Um, and uh, we're also looking for more funding <laughs> to, to the investors out there. Um, yeah, and otherwise, just to keep things real and, uh, and family-like within the company. And when in terms of, because at the moment you said the majority of your sales are, are online because your your showrooms, uh, you know, not open. And I think a lot of showrooms are not not kind of yet open. I mean, are you planning down the track to go down the route of, say, getting your products into some of the high end stores or the department stores? Or is that not, not what you're looking yeah, absolutely. at? Really? Absolutely. Yeah, we're still hoping to attend some trade shows in Germany during Fashion Week. So crossing your fingers. Yeah, and the strategy is, of course, to try and like reach people uh, through different channels, uh, not only online, but also so that they can touch and, and uh, just see your presence uh, growing. Uh, and so that includes retail, of course. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, look, I love what you're doing, Jenna. I think it's fantastic. It's great. I love how you've got all the different aspects to it, for, you know, helping people, animals and planet and, you know, being very mindful of, of waste. And like you said, the, the circular program you've got, I think it's wonderful. So it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you so much. And obviously, if you want to find out um, about these uh, wonderful bags and accessories and T-shirts, you can go to Jenna Street. That's J. E-N-A-H hyphen S-T dot com. If you're watching the episode, that will be appearing across the bottom of the screen. And if you're listening to the audio, that link is on the show notes page for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Jenna. Thank you, Katrina. It was a pleasure. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 